Welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG, episode 56. I'm your host, Adam Sink. With me as always, my co-host, Brendan Carrion. What's up, Brendan? What up? Nothing. How you been? You know, man, I'm doing all right. You know, it's it's been crazy. It's been, you know, I mean, I guess I say that. I feel like I say that at the beginning of every episode now. It's, like, it's, been, it's been crazy, but I mean... You know, I guess this is what the good life is, right? You know, you're, you're up to a lot. And it's what people tell us. Yeah. Stay you know. busy, right? I mean, I guess we kind of, as Gen Xers, we kind of were told that that was like the gold standard of whether or not you were, you know, doing something with your life is that you were like constantly busy and exhausted. And yeah, but we were told that by like a bunch of people that we kind of revile. Which in is, retrospect, yes. <laughs> we like took their advice as though it was good advice. Yeah, but it turned out it wasn't. It yeah, turned out it was like all horrible. Yeah, really but at the, very, at the very least, like, you know, um, we are now so like solidly immersed in the role-playing lifestyle that sort of like dipping out of the role-playing life into real... It, it's become this weird inversion. Like I used to look forward to role-playing... So it is a place that I would go. Now the real world is a place that I return to. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that inversion that's happened with the internet used to be where people go to escape reality, and then reality is now where people go to escape the internet. Yeah. kind of like it, everything got kind of turned on the upside down. Yeah, it's sort of trippy like that. That's definitely a thing. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, doing a lot of writing. I'm writing quite a bit. Uh, That's good. You and I have both been doing some writing, Adam. We have. We've been writing. Been busy. We've been writing a game. Writing a game, having meetings, talking to people. A lot of meetings, a lot of talking to people. Um, And, uh, you know... Um, I'm ve- I'm very hopeful that that one of one of the properties that we're working on will be fit for some sort of like play test here, maybe even by the end of September. I'm hoping. I am very cautiously optimistic because I used to be more optimistic until I realized how quickly these things go off the rails, and now I'm like I'm yeah. like, well, we'll see what the fuck happens. But right now things are going very well. Um, things are going very well. So that's 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 cool. That's cool, right? Uh, what what else you been doing? Well, we've had the game club, so that's been eating up some of our time. Oh yeah, the game club. We'll t- we'll talk about what went on there yeah. mo- and, momentarily. And we had the the Dead Zone Starfall campaign. That's been yeah. eating up some time. Rogue Trader. That's been oh we did yeah that as well. And then I'm doing um uh a thing at our game night at my company because they set up a game night. <laughs> oh, you're a company man. Yeah, so you're, uh, I'm going to do, a, I'm gonna do a, a Dungeons & Dragons session at the oh game night at the company. Oh, my God. How will your social standing at the company ever recover from this horrible social gap? I have zero standing at that company, so I'm not worried about it at all. I have, like, the negative opposite you, of whatever you, standing you is see, there. maybe you don't realize the social standing you do have until it erodes under your feet in it's, moments. It's possible possible um yeah yeah i'm not gonna talk about about the myriad of things that have happened at that company over the last like two years that have eroded any semblance of authority i have ever once had you you know um that would make a podcast all of its own it would like 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 like, not just an episode guys that would be 
a podcast. It would. It would take a long time to unravel <laughs> that particular ball of twine. So we're going to leave it alone. Yeah, we're going to leave that show alone. And just say that I'm doing yeah. a thing there and running things and getting the word out. And hopefully we'll, we'll find some converts. I mean, we'll no, see. Nobody, Maybe not. Nobody gives a fuck about our professional lives on to listen to this show. I mean, you, I don't either. You, so <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you're, you're, uh, you, you have no social standing at your job. And I got bumped out of marketing and back into the warehouse at mine. So there you go. I know. I right. know. Can I'm you no imagine? longer in leadership. I got tossed oh, out of that. I got oh, chump tossed out of that. So, so it's, I'm back oh, to being a schlub. The, the myriad of listeners are currently thinking to themselves, how is that possible? Brendan has his finger on the pulse of society. And yet, they drummed him out of marketing? Well, my friends, it's true. It did happen. It did happen. But There's anyway. There's a tale there all to itself. Yeah, there is indeed. The devil is in the details, as they say. All right, so that was you know appropriately nerdy. Have you purchased anything recently, Adam? Have you bought any fucking books or what, man? Oh, man. Uh, I got a copy of For Coin and Blood. Ooh, I coincidentally got one of those as well. That's cool, very cool. interesting. What And what are your thoughts on that? Did you have a chance to look through it? I have flipped through it. I haven't really read much of it. I've been trying to wean my way through, um, uh, what was the one that I picked? Red Markets. I've been trying to like, oh dig my into the meat God. of that thing. And that thing is a oh weighty tome. It is. My and then I got sidetracked on God. that to read a bunch of D&D 5 stuff so that I could run that at game run night. Run this fucking game. And so I've been just buried in D&D 5. And then I bought a Dead Zone Star for dead zone oh so good man book for that did you get it did you receive it i have not received it oh, yet okay. so well hopefully that'll be arriving soon we're gonna see what what it looks like when it gets here and then um there was one other thing and it oh i got a bunch of marauders for dead zone like a pile of marauders yeah. for dead zone and i've started painting them Good man. So good man. I, I have given up on the perfection, and I'm just going to go for quick paint jobs just on these guys them. to get them on the table because I like playing with painted minis. I don't like playing with unpainted minis. It's like a thing with me. So I want them to be painted. What's when it? I put what's them on weird the table. for me with the painted minis thing is that I didn't used to give a fuck. I didn't used to guys. I like literally didn't care. I just was like just fucking play the game. But like the older I've gotten, the more I'm like God. Damn it! I just can't stand looking at these fucking gray models anymore. I'm fucking sick of because it. Because so. we've seen too much of it, and it's Dude, impossible to tell what it is. When I'm sitting across the table from unpainted models, I don't know which one is which, because they all just are like a blur. They're like a blob that uh, you can't yeah. tell what they have. When I'm looking at a painted mini, generally there's a thing I can focus on where I go, oh, that's the guy with the plasma cannon or whatever. I'm just saying you wouldn't be able to tell my dwarf militia and my steel warriors apart anyway, because they are very similar in the way they look. That's just I'm just saying that, and that's that we'll loop back to that in the dead zone section. <laughs> but... Um, uh, so you know, I had some fucking point there, but then I lost it. We're getting old and crotchety, and yeah, we want painted minis. Yeah, paint, painted minis. I like them better now. I like them better. I've been painting. I've been doing some painting myself. Um, I've been painting my steel warriors for Dead Zone, but I won't belabor the the earballs of the uh, formal RPG listeners with too much Dead Zone talk. We'll 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 we'll, we'll touch on it a little bit. Let me let me just put something out there, okay? I got to talk about minis because right now you and I do so much role playing at this point. Like our lives are like living and breathing role playing. It's like I start thinking about role playing when I wake up and then I quit thinking about role playing like the moments before my eyes close to go to sleep. 
And um, so mini gaming sort of weirdly is my distraction. It's like it's like it's 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 the playing with toys. It's the kind of it's, it is the escapism that I get to have. Painting is the zen for me when Paint, I can just push everything out of my brain and I can sit there and I just have a brush and a little plastic or resin or pewter whatever. And all I'm thinking about is I need to get color onto this thing so that it stops looking like a little gray blob. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I've been doing some painting, get my Steel Warriors ready, my Forge Fathers um, for Dead Zone. Anyway, so did I buy anything this week? Okay, well, I had an order come in from uh, Drive Through, and uh, in that was my copy of Four Coin and Blood. Very stoked about that. I'm going to start running that at the uh, Friday Night Role Playing Club nice. on. Um, September 13th. So if you live in the Phoenix Metro area and you want to come down and play F- Alan Barr's For Coin and Blood, it's a uh, OSR game that's decidedly grimdark. It's um, decidedly kind of uh, like low magic, high grit. It's very, very postmodern in its take. Um, I-, I wouldn't say it's as overtly kind of like, uh, like uh, deliberately sort of gross out as say limitations of the flame princess is but it actually gives you um this opportunity to play these really kind of gritty characters from particular novels right like um when we were at gen con we were actually hanging out with alan barr and the two of you guys were talking about these novels that you guys both love what, what, what are those novels? The black company black company novels you actually had one you were you were trying to read one in the room right like, yeah yeah i they're really they, so they're collections of, of several books um each one is like three books i'm on the books of the south which is the second collection and i'm on the last book in that series um and it kind of covers this mercenary company, the Black Company, and their adventures or misadventures as you were through this fantasy world. Now, I've never played that. I know that there was a, a Green Ronin, and I know you're supposed to say Green Ronin, but I'm, I'm going to say Ronin because mm-hmm. that's how I've been saying it my whole life. Um, there's a there's a Green Ronin game, Black Company. There was. For a short time, they put yeah. out a supplement or an adaptation for, I think, 3.5 D&D that was, or OGL, that, OGL. Was, that was a black company source book right but that's like been out of print for a long ass time yeah yep yeah it's been out of print for a while it's expensive it's hard to find and this uh this four coin blood game is kind of in that that world when i look at it i kind of am caused to remind remind myself of um steven erickson's uh uh gardens of the moon book um there's there's a lot of like really really high high magic in that book like these, like there's this like character. It's like a super elf, and he like lives in a fucking flying fortress, right? And it has dragons coming out of it. Could also be like the Barrow, right? That was another one of those oh, the Barrow is too. yeah. But the thing is, is the characters other than the f- giant fucking elf god guy, they're all like just like dudes with like greasy leather armor and like no teeth, and then they like get into shitty shitty situations. Uh, that first that first book from the Gardens of the Moon like series was super good. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. I kind of lost track of it after that, and I think there's like 9,000 of those books now, but they're all like, you know, 1,200 pages each. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know about catching up on them, but I, I, I really have always loved the grim, dark, like super thick, coarse grit of that kind of fantasy, and so I'm really looking forward to running uh, Four Coin and Blood soon um what else did i got oh i got the void 
from Wildfire. I picked it up. Oh, yeah, because you bought the player's guide. I at bought Gen the Con. player's guide, yeah. And then you had to, because they were, oh, yeah, just POD the core book. Yeah. If you want to <laughs> run it. And it was yeah. like, mm, yeah. okay. I was like, this is disappointing. Like, this is Gen Con. Don't you want my money? Yeah, it was very odd. Their booth was very heavily board game focused. Well, I feel like they were sharing space with some other people. So I didn't know if those oh, were necessarily maybe? them. No, I don't it might know. have been. I don't know. I thought it was just all their booth, and that was like another game that was under their banner. I don't know. It, Did we ever find out what their big announcement was? Because they were like, we got a big announcement on Saturday. And yeah, I went on their website and couldn't find it. So I, I don't know. Um, do you have their card? You should. Re- I do have their card, so I will probably hit up. them up and, and see what's going on with hit them. Hit that dude up and see if he wants to boost his signal on the big announcement, because uh, that would be rad. Yeah, that um, would be great. All right, so The Void is like a, uh, it's like kind of like a space horror game, I guess. Um, like, okay, I, it's definitely a space horror game. You, fl- I flipped through it. I haven't done a deep dive into it. It's kind of, it's kind of highly technical. It's um, a little bit more kind of trad gamery than at this point I am sort of used to. It's kind of weird, like, it's like this Princess and the Pea thing where I uh, have spent so much time in OSR territory and in story game territory that at this point, if you give me a um, character sheet that has more than, like, just a few columns on it, then I start kind of freaking out. I'm like, why are you trying to overburden me with systems? Oh, God, I don't want to fucking deal with this shit. And um, this this is definitely, like, while it's nowhere near what you would find on, like, a 50 D&D character sheet... It's a little bit more in depth than what I'm currently used to. What I kind of what I love about it is that it's space horror and it's kind of it, it kind of melds things with Call of Cthulhu. There's like some Cthulhu mythos, but you know, you don't have to put that in there. You could run just a space horror game if you want. But the thing that I think is the downside of the game is that you have to play this character called a warden, which is essentially kind of like you're playing sort of like a like a 40k inquisitor. You know, you're, you've been sent out into space and you know that there's like some fucking hinky bullshit going on out there. So you're, you're going to go out there and you're going to set it, set it all straight, right? You're going to kill the monsters and you're going to squish the cultists and you're going to make, make everybody stop doing all that kind of stuff. And, um, that's a little kind of like, I don't know. It's a little too close to heroic role playing for me. I don't know. I prefer like alien kind of like like truckers in space kind of space horror. Even if you watch like Event Horizon, it's like a bunch of dupes. It's kind of like oh, like those guys almost they seem like almost like independent contractors who are kind of like there's like dudes on the job. Right. You know, they show go, up, they don't know what's yeah. going on, We're and they gonna, all get creepy Sam Neil with no eyes saying weird shit. Exactly, exactly. Even if you watch Aliens, right, it's with his colonial marines, and they know that I go, this could be a bug hunt or whatever, but they're so out of their depth, they don't really understand how out of their depth they are. Maybe that's the feeling you get in here, too. Maybe you think you're, like, this big tough guy, and you've got, like, fucking space armor and shit. I don't know. I haven't played the game. But anyway, it's a cool book. Uh, soft cover. I think it's twenty five bucks. It'd be um, weird if they went with that because that was never the feel I got from like C Tech, right? In C Tech, it was always, oh yeah, everything's going to shit, and you're yeah. you're probably not gonna survive. You know, I'm probably being too hard on it. I just I just kind of wish that instead of you being like an inquisitor in space, you were like an investigator in space, or you were just like a space 
like uh like a, a space trucker you know i was, it was i wish it was basically like every scenario was um oh the the relay station's gone out we should go fix the antenna or yeah. whatever and then horrible shit starts happening right. maybe you know? everybody's just kind of burned out on grimdark i don't know because i mean even in 40k right like they've kind of dialed back the grimdark a bit they're like hell one of the primarchs is back and now he's gonna lead the imperium into a new golden age you know it's yeah but i mean like you see this to this to me is like a problem with the way that you know because i think i said this on like an episode a few episodes back and i started kind of like kind of punching in the chest poach poking in the chest the idea of heroic role playing Mm -hmm. and the way that heroic role playing is like intense intrinsically kind of like weirdly toxic and i feel like um especially in the case of warhammer 40k and its role-playing properties that game was originally kind of like uh uh it was originally a joke that was in the british sci-fi school that was making fun of fascism i mean it was like deliberately making fun of fascism and thatcherite Right, kind of like Which ideology has been lost. The it further has. into it you go, I really think when I got into it around third edition was I think when that big shift really started happening. When mm. they started putting I, out all the Black Library fiction, and because I mean it's still there. It's it's definitely there in Rogue Trader. I guess I don't have a second edition, but I've heard second edition is still you mean way Rogue, more, Rogue Trader the miniatures game, right? Yeah, and I've heard that. Warhammer 40k second edition is still a lot more like Rogue Trader than where I got in at because I got in on the right. one where it was the the cover was the Black Templars, the Black right? Templars, and but the Black Templars. If you want to talk about like a faction with no sense of humor, the Black Templars have no sense of humor. Yeah, and and the thing is though is that in that edition it was still gr- a grim dark future and it was still supposed to be ambiguous that the. That the good guys were not really good guys, and you, right. I think you, I think that with the John Blanchard ludicrousness with the orcs and whatnot, and the wa and all that still. Well, was, sure. I think they've bled a lot of that out, even as time has gone on. Yeah, I, I think that there's been this kind of weird move to oh, the Space Marines are the good guys and they're the heroes of the Imperium, and I'm just like, I don't understand how. I mean, I, I, I just feel like that's just a joke that no one's getting right now. Yeah, you know? but like, then they made the Tau and they were the good guys. But then but the they Tau dialed aren't them, good guys. They dialed them back to be like, oh, they're morally ambiguous. Then they had the Necrons who were like the bad guys, and then they went and they tried to make them morally ambiguous. And there, I, there's this weird push, I guess. For I don't know anything about Necrons. A lot of moral ambiguity in the lines, and it's kind of strange to me, but. Like I didn't mind the Necrons back when they were the servants of the Catan. I I just I just think I mean look here's the thing is heroic role playing reaches more people. Okay? Oh, it absolutely it's, does. It's, if it's, you pitch a game to the traditional D and D crowd, yeah, at, like because there was a, a a guy that I know and he wanted me he wants me to run D and D for him and I said okay, but if I run it like this is how I run yeah that game and it's you're in a post apocalyptic world civilization are these points of light and you're surrounded by vast and terrible darkness that's winning like your town is not going to do anything if a dragon shows up and decides to destroy it if hobgoblins decide to raid your little village you're all going to die and when you play you're playing as adventurers you're not heroes you're adventurers you're going right. out and you're seeking adventure right and i'm sitting there explaining that to them and they're going well that's not what was yeah like, i want 
I want to be like a hero and I want to be, I want to yeah. have my, my icon of, you know, Baphomet or Bahamut or whatever. And I'm want to, not Baphomet. Not Bahamut, right? It's yeah, the, yeah, yeah, Bahamut. I always think of Heronius, right. but yeah, sure. Yeah, so yeah, I want to have my icon, guy. and I want to have it like shining gold or Paylor, right? Like I want to be like a, the, the steward of Paylor, and I want to go out and smite all the... And it's just kind of, oh, that's not really what I want to do with yeah. it. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm completely disinterested in that, and... um. I think that there's this kind of like Star Warsian sort of like storytelling style that has sort of permeated uh, role playing and especially heroic role playing. Yeah, it's that hero's journey, right? Like that Joseph Campbell. Oh, I'm this guy, and I start out, and now I'm going to be a fighter, and then by the end of it, I'm like this. I'm a wizard. I'm this super great guy that everybody loves. Yeah, I guess. Again, there's all these like weird kind of like societal interpretations i was reading an interesting kind of um uh dike not dichotomy it was an exegesis mm-hmm. of why these sort of like toxic star wars fans don't understand uh the the current movies now now i don't want to fucking get into the current movies i don't give a fucking shit but <laughs> what i'll say is what i'll say is is that is that what he was writing was that people don't understand the the end of Return of the Jedi, and that um, that Luke right is fighting his father. And right. The idea is they think that Luke had power over Vader. And yeah. He smote him because he was powerful. Because he's powerful. And he's like this badass fighter dude. Whereas the you know the, another interpretation is luke draws back from that oh and, th- no you know what man uh, or, no this but, is not this is not there are two sides and they're both well, equal i'm just saying it's, the, the movie mm-hmm. is about a guy who's fighting his father and he realizes that in order to win it will cost him his soul right and i agree in with order that. to win he loses i agree with that interpretation and so he stops and, right That's, but the problem is is that there are all these other people who interpret it a completely different way yeah but they're not right they're just completely wrong they just they just they just fucking watch the movie and they just don't understand what it's about i know but good luck convincing them of that they're well, not ever going to listen to that argument because they see it all as a power fantasy yeah and that's crazy that's just crazy but that but but that gets into what we're talking about now which is that like like role playing is serving this weird function of being the power fantasy and it's like oh i've got to be a good guy space marine and my golden armor bringing fascism to right. the planet do you think lucas understood it though because it's the end of the prequels is obi-wan like overpowering Anakin and cutting him down and leaving him to die no he I, never I mean, has a moment of doubt he never has a moment where he goes oh I need to spare my friend. I need to step back from what I'm doing. I, I look, look. I, we could sit here. We could do. We, you know what? We could do a whole. We new could podcast. do a whole thing on. Sorry, it, it wouldn't just be like an episode. It'd be a whole podcast called Brendan and Adam fucking work it out about Star Wars. It's yeah, but yeah, <laughs> so, no, I no, I don't think that by the time he was doing the prequels, George Lucas had any fucking idea. Yeah, and where I think his he made it worse. I, absolutely, but. absolutely. Anyway, moving on, role playing, man. I just, I just think that there's some weird stuff going on in it. And, and, there's and a lot of weird stuff going on. It's not to my on, taste. It's not to my taste. V five is finally like dropped, right? So V five's fucking out. I guess it's at the stores, right? It is at the stores. <laughs> I've seen stores posting. We're it. hitting. We're hitting. Sitting here talking about what we're buying. Did you buy V five? No, I have not either. I, 
at this point, I'm not sure it's for me. I, I want to read some more reviews on it before I make a decision about whether or not I'm going to get it. And honestly, I kind of want to wait for the next two supplement books to come out before I make a decision about it, because they're essentially the setting material and everything else that explains the current state of the game or the current state of the game world. And vampire is so meta plot heavy that if I go in and I go, I'm going to run B five, it's not anything to do with it. Cause I, there was the same problem with Requiem, right? Like oh, I'm going to run Requiem. People go, oh, well, it doesn't have any of the meta plot. I'm not interested in it. So I, I want I those other books to come take. out. I think before that's, a, that's a legitimate. I take. pick it up. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Take, I can't argue with that. Take, um, I think, it's not a good look for White Wolf right now with the staggering of the releases. Because they, they originally all, weren't supposed to be. They were all supposed to come out at the same time. It's causing some problems in the supply chain because retailers took pre-orders for three book sets. Right. And, and that's the suck thing is when I when they finally do drop, I may not be able to get a core book at that point. I may have the Mutineer Zero problem where... Oh yeah, no, these other books are no. available, but that book's not. You're available. not going to have that problem. You're not going to have that problem. There, you, you, there are going to be vampire books stacked up around your head for the next three years because they want this thing to win. They want they they want this thing. They they want so badly to be back in the game. Yeah. Right. They're pushing a lot of weird things though, because there's a makeup kit for it. It's a makeup kit, dog. Which feels odd. That there's, feels like putting the cart be, before the horse. There's gonna be it's, guy liner. There's like right now there's a palette, right? Or a palette's coming out, but then there's gonna be guy liner. Vampire the Masquerade branded guy liner. Boom. Hey, you know what? I've worn guy liner before. I'm not ashamed to say that. I, and I mean, would we all do went again. The goth phase, would and do that's again. fine, but it's it really feels odd. Like they're they're branding things. They're, they're going out and they're doing all this aggressive branding before they even know if there's a market there for it. Um, you know, are those people going to come back or did they lose them already? I, I don't know. I, it seems well, it, like people will come back. It's a big back, experiment. Right now it's it a big is. experiment. And I think that not having the full line of products ready on release day was a big a big bummer. Yeah, I, feel, I, I, I agree. I feel like that. that's a fumble. That's a fumble. I know. Look, I was saying this on a different podcast just uh, earlier this week, which is that when they said that they were doing pre-orders for all the shit, I kind of had this idea in my head that it was all supposed to release at the same time and that it was all supposed to be at Gen Con. And then we showed up at Gen Con. Now, now that idea may be erroneous. I don't know. I, you know what? I could probably check and find out, but I had this idea in my head, right or wrong, that when you went to Gen Con, there were going to be stacks of the three book sets. There were going to be Camarilla source book guides. There were going to be Anarch source book guides. There was going to be dice. There was going to be screens. There was going to be core books. And we showed up and there was just core books. Right. And in fact, while we were at Gen Con, they were doing interviews where they were essentially saying that Camarilla is, was still in layout. Like they were still like they hadn't they didn't they didn't know what the page count was going to be at Gen Con. Well, that's that whole problem with Kickstarters too, though, because you'll buy like levels of Kickstarters, and then sometimes people who just bought the one book get it before you get your, you know, the one that you paid for, despite the right. fact you paid for more, and that's a bad look too. Yeah, this that's a bad look. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. Wait, I kind of, I mean, didn't I, wasn't I the one that was bitching about Blades in the Dark being on the shelf at my game store before I got it? Yes. I was. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a great look, and that's uh, that's the whole weird part about look. it, and it's, I, you know, I feel like Cult is at least 
everybody's going to get their stuff at the same time. Granted, late, but at the same time. Very late. But they're shipping at, like now, right? Or, or is it September they're going to start shipping? That's shipping and Zazer Kala shipping. I, I got. Oh, Zazer Kala shipping? How did yeah. I miss this news? I got a note about that where it was, if you need to update oh. your address, do it now because we're going to start mailing yeah, them out. Yeah, man. All right. So those old both Dude. Some nice horror games will be winging their way to us shortly. I am telling you, man, 2019 is the year of horror. What do we got? We got... Vampire, Cult, Zosser Kala. We got Demon City coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may be, there may be some uh, Brendan and Adam kickstarted project. Don't Maybe. know, don't know. Have you backed it's anything a, new on Kickstarter? No, you know what, man. Um, without getting too deep into it, like uh, uh, there have been some like uh, hiccups in mm-hmm. the old uh, prosperity yeah. train <laughs> of of Brendan's life. Yep. And so I have not. The last thing I backed was Demon City. And yeah, I backed um, that, and I backed Tiny Supers. And I think those are the two that I've backed most recently. Uh, okay, look. If I if I could, if I was in a spot where I was able to, I would totes back House of Keys um, that I just found out about today. Yeah, that's that one that D.S. Truman posted about, right? The Slavic Horror. Yeah. 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 So House of Keys... I'd be looking at that pretty hard, and then um, main—it's called Main Gauche, right? The uh, oh, the Zweihander. Yeah, the Zweihander. Um, yeah, it, the it's it's, a, it's essentially realms their, of chaos. It's, it's their Realms of Chaos right. book, which you know, since we couldn't get Realms of Chaos at Gen Con, I'm big. Thanks since, for nothing, yeah, GW. Since fucking uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, the new edition was not out at at uh gen con which i kind of again maybe i'm this is erroneous thinking on my part but i was under the impression that it was going to be they had a preview copy right like something uh yeah look, that's was... sort of not what i was anticipating <laughs> i was anticipating having to be like like hold on to my bucks right. while i walked by the table i was i was getting ready to go there and just buy a copy mm-hmm. and uh negative amigo we they had a bunch of fucking um like middle earth games there There's a lot of stuff like, i thought was going to be there that wasn't there and that is the story of gen con 2018 was uh it was so i i really felt like it was supposed to be this kind of big sprint for a bunch of new releases and then it was not i read some kind of like after the fact reporting that was like Oh, the big hit of the con was clearly Vampire the Masquerade Fifth. Everybody was talking about it, and they had to have a copy. And then, and, and then it said in like the same paragraph, it was like it was like Pathfinder Second Edition like sold some copies, but you know it wasn't really like last year's Starfinder release, which is true. It was not like last year's Starfinder release. However, I felt it like was still pretty much sold out. Dude, I don't recall seeing copies of it, and there on the last day, I saw plenty of copies of E Five. There was yeah, but on on Sunday you can still buy a V five. You can just walk right up, no line, buy right. a copy of V five, no problem. And all over the con, I saw people just walking around with, with their soft co- cover mm-hmm. Pathfinder books. I sat down at a table to get some rest, and there were dudes next to me that had character sheets spread out, and they were making characters. They were like so into it that they were like already making characters so that they could like take the pre-made characters back to their to their to their groups right i was sitting so, outside of the 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 dungeon true dungeons thing and this kid just comes up to me apropos of nothing and he's like oh do you want to see my 
my new Pathfinder beta book I got, I got it signed. And I'm just like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> He's like showing cool. it to me. And his dad like wanders over like, what the hell is this weirdo doing talking to my kid, you know? <laughs> how old was this kid i was imagining like a teenager no it was like it was probably like, like, he was like child he was like 12 maybe a child it was like 12 he couldn't have been this person like understand what is in that book that's an intensely complicated game yeah i know he he wasn't much older than my son and i'm just kind of like all right cool like i guess show me show me the new pathfinder but I'm interested. Show me the Pathfinder. Yep. All right, great. Well, I I definitely came away from Gen Con uh, 2018 feeling like Pathfinder Second Edition Beta was like the king of the games in an environment that felt considerably more subdued than uh, Gen Con 2017. Yeah, I'm waiting know? to see because the guy that I know at work who's a huge Pathfinder fan does not seem very excited about the new edition of Pathfinder at all. No, no. I mean, this is the thing as I was saying on that other podcast this week, which is Pathfinder is the game for people who don't like change and Mm -hmm. now it's changing. Right. And I think that is going to be very difficult for them because if you want a great game that's an evolution, just go play 5e. It's already out there and it's already got a huge amount of support and people love it. That's the thing. That is the thing. Well, I mean, okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You and I have been around long enough that we've seen what people refer to as the supplement treadmill like a couple times around. We've seen it. We've seen right. it come and go. We know how this fucking goes, all right? And so by the time over the last year or two when I'd go into the game store and I'd see these new Pathfinder hardcovers that were heroes of intrigue and heroes of horror, heroes of intrigue always comes after heroes of horror. Heroes. By the time you get to heroes of horror... You know a second edition is coming, right? Because because they they've are, done everything else. They are they are getting towards the bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. Fucking heroic fantasy does not give a fuck about horror. By the time they're releasing a well, here's how you can run a really horror horrific chronicle if you want. They're just about done. So they got so Pathfinder released uh, horror games the book. And then they released Intrigue Games, the book, which is even, like, less interesting to that type of player. And I was just like... Then they had that... Well, they put out, like, that Demons book, right? That was one of the later ones. I mean, they released a Demons book, like, every fucking five minutes. Because they've they've rewritten that Demons material for that game, like, six times. times. Well, that was a weird thing, is I'm going, why... If you've announced the new edition, why are you writing this? Because you're basically telling everybody all your old books throw them out because they're no longer useful. So you're going to write this, like, Demons book, and now... What am I spo- what are people supposed to do with it? I will say the one thing that intrigues me about it is a lot of their adventure books should start getting really cheap. Yeah. And I've heard good things about their adventures and with not a lot of uplift, you could run it using like Tiny Dungeon or D&D 5th or whatever. Oh, you know, man. as long as you don't care too much about like I have to have optimal combat encounters. It's so, so funny, dude, because like um I'm the kind of guy who's always looking to snap up RPG books on the cheap. Mm-hmm. And I like to have comprehensive collections of games that I quite frankly do not intend to run okay so I when they announced second e I was kind of like you know testing the wind to be kind of like well all right I'll I have a Pathfinder first e collection maybe I'll flesh it out a little bit and that way if I ever want to run something I can mm-hmm and so I saw all these guys going online and you could tell that they were like super Pathfinder knob nubs because they were like Oh, dude, I'm selling my whole collection. 50% off cover. And I was just, I was just like, oh, you f- poor fool. Like, in a few months, in like, let's just, let's just play a long game here. In a year, 
you'll be begging me to t- to pay ten dollars per on right. these books. You'll be you'll be so grateful, like I'm like I'm just squeezing squeezing drops of water into the a parched man's throat. You know what I'm saying? I'll be able to just walk into a used bookstore and just pick all of these things up. I'll be able to buy five. 10 books for $50. Well, that's like every time you go into a used bookstore where they're selling Warhammer codices and they're oh half cover and you're just God, going, dude, charge a dollar for that and maybe I'll pick it up for the art and the story material. Exactly. Uh, there is no way I'm going to buy a codex for the old version of the, or like, you know, seventh edition or whatever. It's just never going to happen. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And they're always like, they're always, it, okay. It's a hardcover. No one cares. <laughs> no one, no one literally cares. <laughs> charge a buck. What's so great is, I think you and I both go to the same used bookstore. There was one, right? And like right after eighth edition, 40K came out, they were still keeping their their uh, seventh edition hardcover three book slipcase mm-hmm. at like ten dollars less than new, right. and, I, and then and then I just kept coming back like month after month and watching it go down ten bucks, ten bucks, ten bucks. <laughs> I was like, keep going, yeah. keep going, because I'm not even gonna lift my finger for that until it's like until it's like twelve dollars yeah. for all Essentially. three hardcover and books. And I don't want the rule book. I off. just want the fluff book. That's all I want. The only ah. book I want out of there is the fluff book. Okay, look, look. Here's a completely nerdy take. Okay. It's sometimes fun to go back and look at how the rules have developed iteration over iteration. It's, and that's fine. Yeah, like, it's, I, I just don't see myself using the rules book as much oh, as you'll I never use the fluff use stuff. It. No, of course not. What the fuck are you going to use it for? Like feeling nostalgia? I don't I know. Mean, I mean, we're in a rogue trader campaign. So apparently that is a thing that people do play nostalgia <laughs> games. We have somehow gotten so far off the rails that we haven't even <laughs> talked about our Rogue Trader game. All right, so um, <laughs> you want to talk about games played? <laughs> games played? Sure, let's talk yeah, let's about, about games, games played. played, man. What All are you right. playing? Games are playing. I have a game at uh, the game club. I started running 13th Age again. It's the Make Your Own Luck Gareth Ryder Hammerhand supplement where uh, the, the kind of the lead-in to the Eyes of the Stone Thief Chronicle. So I'm going to run through that. I'll run it for another session, maybe two, depending on how long things take. Um, and then yeah. after that, we got to have a discussion about what we're doing with no, the club. No hurry. We got we got yeah. some time. We, we got, got some plenty time. of time. There's some things unfolding. We have some plans, but right. take your time. So we'll do that. Um, I've been playing Dead Zone, the Mantic game. That's like the skirmish-based Mantic game. Uh, I'm playing Marauders, which are essentially the orcs. Orcs. Um, three for three for three uh, in games played so far. All right, all right. At so low points levels, the Marauders are are a force to be reckoned with. Mar- I think at higher points levels, it's going to be a different story. You think that because you're used to Warhammer 40k, right? But it's not going to be that different. You're going to have new tools. Your opponents are going to have new tools. You, I, so Adam is fucking killing it in the miniatures games we're playing. Okay, Adam, right now, Adam and I are both involved in two campaigns right now. We we play in um, our friend Alex's Rogue Trader um, ongoing campaign, and uh, Adam had his first his first victory session there. of that, yep. and it was also a victory for the orcs. For he the was, orcs, he was playing his orcs. Storm boys punching well above their weight in that one, uh, <laughs> taking home the dub. <laughs> By seizing the objective, and really there wasn't a whole, I was far, I was probably farthest away from that objective of anyone, because I started on that far table edge, um, but those storm boys, like those jump packs just move you so far that... <laughs> There's an interesting kind of like, um, sort of gamer 
history kind of thing that can be learned from playing Rogue Trader and it is an incredibly random game. It is such a weird fucking game. All right, so you're playing this game and immediately because like Adam and I were just saying previously, we came into Warhammer at 3rd edition. And by the time 3rd edition was ramping up, there was this idea that it was a game that you would play competitively. It was okay? tactical. Yeah, it was like this tactical miniatures game that you played competitively and there were tournaments and all sort of shit. So, the way that we came to it was obviously radically different from the game that the people who designed it were playing. And so now here we are in our dotage and we're going back and we're playing the original game because we're just doing that whole, oh, let's have the experience. Let's try and play this fucking game, right? And back in Gen Con 2017, we picked up a bunch of books. Uh, the homie Alex, like literally, the homie Alex was so stoked to play the game, he like literally bought like a pile of Rogue Trader books and then distributed the them to his friends. The hardcover release, right. Exactly, in order to facilitate this game. So we're playing, right? And uh, what I have learned from playing that game is that Warhammer was never meant to be balanced. It was never meant to make sense. It was never meant to be, like, organized. It was, it was literally just, I mean, on some level, I don't want this to sound pejorative, but it was like it was almost kind of like a stoner game. Right. It wasn't like it wasn't like a beer and pretzels game even. It was a stoner game where it was just like it's just like you're supposed to sit there and roll dice and things happen and you laugh at it and you go ha 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 and no one gives a fuck who wins and loses because literally how can you make any kind of comprehensive sense of this shit? Uh, the group we had there that week, no one cares who wins or loses. <laughs> I, I am led to believe that there is a different cohort of that group that very much cares who wins and loses. Well, I mean they're different guys they're they're interesting guys who play in that game um and the thing is is that you because okay so when adam showed up for his first game it was uh me uh uh young dustin it was uh right. it was uh, ben, ben the, bailey the mysterious jeff or no yeah not ben bailey it was yeah mysterious, mysterious jeff he was yeah. playing and then um and then alex was like kind of throwing in some of his uh his his orcs has like NPCs or whatever. Right. And the thing is, is you, me, mysterious Jeff, and young Dustin, and we all used to fucking uh, do the tournaments together. We would right. all like fucking get all worked up and shit. Right. And when I play Rogue Trader, I do the orc voice. Yeah. And I role play my orcs as they're like going across the table, and I do I say dumb shit, right? Because that's orcs, and that's to me the fun of the game is look at these stupid little green orcs like thinking that they're gonna go out here and fight these guys in power armor. This is hilarious, which is perfect for a rogue trader because rogue trader doesn't make sense, and you can't like generate consistent results out of it anyway, right? You know what I'm saying? And that's what I really so loved about orcs when I started playing fantasy was the night goblins and all of their magic was so random and chaotic half the time you ended up hurting your own guys but once you've played that game you realize why to this day why like in late august of 2018 like gw as a corporation will look at you and they'll say we can't balance this game. Right. Why would you even try? Right. That's absurd. It You're playing a, a of, tournament? That's crazy talk. It makes you know? sense to me why their battle reports are the way there are. Because exactly. every time I would look at their battle reports back in the day when I'd buy a white dwarf, I'd go, this isn't even close to how you should be playing this army. Right. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, Jeff won. And he did. And you're just going, well, yeah, of course he did. Because this, this list, this other guy built sucks. Yeah. But that's the way that it's supposed to be. Right, the 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 the, the experience of playing Rogue Trader, hence it, Warhammer, 
is 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 supposed to be this kind of like wacky like imagination exercise, you know, mm-hmm. that you don't take too seriously. And all these people who are getting fucking like you know, you know, intestinal disruptions because they're so worried about their list or whatever are kind of missing the point. Now, the fact of the matter is, is you know, the worm has turned, and you know, we're living in their world. So I feel like Road Trader is actually a really good spot for us to be because it's just so it's irreverent. fun, right? It's irreverent, it's fun, and it's weird, and yeah. that's what I like about it. It's kind of what I like about Dead Zone and Mantic as well. Yeah. I don't feel this all-consuming need to like sit down and eke out the best possible build that I can. I mean, when I went and I played, I took a leader character and all basic troops. Yeah. I didn't do any war gear on them. I didn't. I was. Oh, my here's God. Here's a leader character and basic troops. And he fucking. And, and so. So. You, right. Okay. After. After a career of getting like monkey stomped with <laughs> fucking orcs. Adam's on this like crazy hot streak. He just won four games in a row. Right. One rogue trader. Three dead zone. Um, I played him twice. I got manhandled both times. Then Young Dustin stepped up with his enforcers, which are essentially like a kind of Space, Space Marine esque analog. And that was a nail biter. Oh, there right was, down to the wire. There was no way that was going to be any closer than it was. No. And he was tactically, like, he outmaneuvered me um, at nearly every turn. Uh, dude's just a good player. Uh, I got lucky on some rolls. Um, and. I just had more more meat on the table than he did. Dude, sometimes that's how it goes. Right. And that's, that's how just it sometimes goes how sometimes. it goes. But it was one of those things where it was like, you know, it, it's he he had a plan and he was executing his plan and my plan got all screwed up and I wasn't following it very well. If I'd have followed my original plan, <laughs> it would have gone a lot better than how it ended up going. He also was trying a new weapon on one of his guys and he and like the next day at work he was like Fuck that weapon. I'm never taking it again. I is was that like, the flamethrower? The flamethrower. And I told him, I was like, dog. That flamethrower, like. It lit up some of your guys. It caused me a lot of heartburn. I was amazed at how good it was. I'm surprised. It, this <laughs> real standout was that grenade. That thing was yeah. ridiculous. Well, the thing is, but is like, he going to do that every time? The grenade is definitely right. kind of like. Swingy. It's, it's it swingy. Is. But that flamethrower was amazing. Like, he, he tied up so many of my guys with that stupid flamethrower that it was unbelievable because you don't even have to hit with it it sets them on fire yeah it just sets. and then on fire is an even roll as to whether you get the fire put out or you take damage from it right it's three dice versus three dice yeah and they're both four up for me for other people it's worse because their their toughness is is worse than that right because eh, I at least get a four no. up. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The orcs are very hardy, They're and I very feel like hardy. the flamethrower is just like in terms of weapon. It's it's hard to get off because you got to be within two. You got to be within but two. He that's positioned the problem. It so well, he positioned it right between both of those two victory point counters. So if I wanted to sit on either one, I was getting lit up with flamethrower. Like period, <laughs> end of sentence. If I wanted to claim either of those victory points, I was going to get lit on fire. And true to form, I. I rolled the bones and I got lit on fire. <laughs> well, um, but you ended up winning the game. So I did by, you know, by two one, VP. Was it? Oh yeah, it did. It did thirteen it, to eleven because yeah. he moved off of it to try to right. kill my guy who was on the other one. Right. And but if he had rolled better, if he had rolled better, or if you had rolled worse, or if I had rolled worse, then it would have been his. It, it literally came down to the last. Well, roll we would have had game. one more turn, and he would have had a guy, and I would have had a guy, oh, and then it wow. would have been a straight up who activates first. Wow. Because we only have each one model. 
So then yeah. it's a dice off to see who activates first. If he activates first. Oh, no. It's whoever finishes first. So he would have gone first because he only had one model left at that point. But anyway, oh, yeah, you're right. Digress. So he would have gone first. So he would have just lit me up again and then he would have won. So it was real close. It was it a was. nail biter. It was. It was down to the wire. But that's the thing I love about Dead Zone. That's our uh, Dead Zone summer campaign that we got going at Games U. Thursdays, um, Games U's in Gilbert, Arizona. Um, they're open a little bit later, and they have a lot of room for wargaming. Uh, they got really uh, nice tables down there. Great like they, tables. They got the Infinity guys bring in like some really nice terrain. Unbelievably and stuff. It's, good stuff. It's crazy some our, of the sets uh, they have. Our Pathfinder, uh, Brian Wade, is like, that's kind of like his region, so we play there. Those are the Manic Community organizers. They're yeah. called Pathfinders. It's not anything to do with Pathfinder. Yeah, that is correct. That is actually correct, yeah. Um, so he's our like liaison with the with Mantic, and he gets the prize support brought in for us and stuff. So um, right now it's Wednesday when we're recording this. Uh, when you're listening to it, our next like game day, which is on Thursday, will be over. But um, we'll be there again the subsequent Thursday, Thursday every in Thursday. September. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking this probably just going to be a thing now that I'm just going to block out. If you're in the Phoenix metro area and you want to come down and get some Mantic games because there are other Mantic games and I'm going to be pushing them in upcoming months. So if you want to come get some Mantic games, contact me. Because there's a whole RPG. slew of Dead Zone up through like armies. Yeah. There's Dead also Z- like Dreadball, right? I don't have any interest in Dreadball. There are some guys down there who do it, but I have no interest in it. Uh, Dead Zone is like a skirmish game that goes all the way up to a full-fledged, like, uh, you know, 40K-style mass battles game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then there is a fantasy line that goes, that that has a skirmish game launching in, say, October, November. It's called Vanguard, and then that goes all the way up to a Warhammer Fantasy Battle level game. rank and flank game and so if you want to come down to games you meet up with me play some of those games get at me because i want to play them i want to play them with you um and we will be having our dead zone summer campaign the battle for starfall going all the way through till the end of september we have prize support best general best painted please come out and play discover mandate games they are so fun and somebody asked me earlier this week they said brendan what is Mantic paying you to say all this stuff? Because you have become a real Mantic fanboy in the last couple weeks. And I said, they pay me nothing, my friend. I do this out of love. I do this because I love the games. I discovered the games. I love them. And I want to share my love of those games with you. So please come down, uh, engage in our summer campaign. I also played in that. And I got walloped. Twice in a row, my Forge Fathers, a.k.a. Space Dwarves, a.k.a. Squats, got um, green fists shoved down their throats. Green Tide. And I lost. Um, I also got my ass handed to me at Rogue Trader, where I play Squats using my Forge Father models. That did not go well. That little three-inch movement per turn kind of fucking sucks. And it's <laughs> that was got, killing you. I gotta fucking say. Well, that uh, was just the weird thing about that one. It required massive amounts of movement to get anywhere near the objective. And uh, other man. than... <laughs> the guy who got the lucky deployment, uh, which was Jeff, right? Like the rest of us had to slog so far to even get anywhere near it. I just lucked out that I had guys with jump packs and then those pistols just wrecked shop in close quarters. Our friend, our friend Alex, he has this huge table. It's like, it's it's enormous. I think it's like nine by five. Yeah. It's, it's a lot longer than it needs to be. Well, it's nine by five (laughs) and he's very proud of these, put a lot of work. into. It's a gorgeous table. It's very beautiful. It's like one of the best tables I've ever played on my entire life. 
However, it does breed certain systemic incentives, which are to emphasize movement. And so I am currently saving up my experience points. And when I get my experience points all together, you motherfuckers are going to pay. You motherfuckers are going to pay in a big fucking way. All I got to say is I'm just hiding out for the next mm-hmm. two games and then I'm going to be in your grills. You guys are going to be like, what the fuck happened? Holy shit. Anyway, enough of that. Enough of running. <laughs> <laughs> enough Rogue Trader. Um, so uh, I also, re- uh, you know, I didn't run anything. I haven't run any games recently. I played at the Friday Night Role Playing Club in uh, Michael Collette's rendition of a game called Octung Cthulhu. How was that? That was very interesting, my friend. That was very interesting from a sort of like role playing academia level. Because it's so different as a game. Apparently, this, this is kind of the game that Modiphius kind of like made its bones on. You know, it was like its first big property that kind of like allowed it to break out. At least according to my perspective, this is how I kind of see things. Because that was like their first thing that they had to kind of, on some level, gave them the momentum to get into some of this other stuff. And it's a very strange game. It's, uh, the conceit of it is like pretty, pretty straightforward and simple, which is, it's World War II, and the Nazis are attempting to harness the power of the mythos to rule the world. And you play members of the Allied powers, and you're trying to stop them. It's like, okay, that's that's pretty fucking easy, right? Um, what's interesting about it is its tone is very different than what you would consider to be like a standard Cthulhu game. Like, usually a Cthulhu game is kind of like quiet horror kind of like slow burn um and very and like in, in particularly in, tr- in trail of cthulhu they get into this um distinction between two modes of play trail of cthulhu supports what's called pulp mode and then i think it's called purist mode and purist mode has the violence and the heroic actions like dialed way way down like you like the like the archetypes that you can take and the skills you can take and how your how the game mechanics actually function are designed to be much more kind of like punishing so that you're not playing like the two-fisted brawler you're playing like the librarian right mm-hmm. um, but it does have this pulp mode that's supposed to be a little bit more kind of like you know Indiana Jones esque and what's interesting is because you know laws and height are big you know mythos scholar type guys they talk about how in the in the book they talk about how lovecraft himself vacillated between the two feelings it's not like it's not like real quote-unquote lovecraft is one way or the other he he emulated both styles in his works so you should feel free to emulate both styles in your works any hoosies i guess okay so so when we were playing the game Michael had a little bit of a problem because he in a chat had asked us if he if we wanted to play by one of two systems. One was either like like Octon Cthulhu had it has like 9000 systems. I went on Modiphius, Modiphius's webpage and I looked at all the different books for it and you can get Octon Cthulhu for Savage Worlds. You can get it for Fate and you can get like a a dust tactics book for it and then they have their own miniatures game for it and then there was oh you know that world war ii game godlike there's like a 
there's like a godlike supplement that you can use where he's like, oh, use Octon Cthulhu with the godlike rule set. It's like really strange how they've like huh. branched it out. Yeah, because I was kind of curious what the rule set on it was because Modifius has their like 2D20 system. This is before that, League though. had their own system. And- it's like way before that. So, they, so you're not even harnessing that stuff. And so he had said, okay, well, we're going to run this supplement called Three Kings, which I was like, okay, that's cool. Um in a system called PDQ, which has something to do with drama or something. Right. And um, I was like, cool, great. I thought we had it all worked out. And then when I got there, I guess he'd presented it to the table, and there were some guys at the table who wanted to do uh, Savage Worlds. Um, So then he toggled over real quick to do the Savage Worlds version, but he had already prepared the PDQ version. So, like... He his storytelling, he kind of felt as a GM, he felt kind of tentative. And at the end of it, he was like, "Well, sorry guys, I didn't have the right stat blocks prepped, and I was like, I prepped the wrong thing. I didn't know I was going to be doing Savage Worlds. I'll do better next time." I think he's been too hard on himself. He's a great guy. He's a great gamer. Um, what I will say is that Octung Cthulhu has in it a feeling that is very unlike any other Cthulhu game I've ever played. It feels so actiony. Like the like the scenario we we're playing is that we had to parachute into this like region and like there's these Nazis in a castle and we're like, you know, as players we're all pretty sure that they got Cthulhu monsters in there in the castle with them. And we're like, okay, that's gonna be cool when we get there. But our characters don't know that. So we're supposed to find our way into the castle using intelligence and stuff. And the first thing that we do is we encounter some like SS guys like, you know, doing forcible interrogations on some like insurgents this is like Romania and my first thought is oh well it's a fucking Cthulhu game so we gotta figure out some way to like get out of this situation without firing a gun right and that just did not happen <laughs> we just ended up like busting out machine guns and being like dagger, 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 dagger. Went full Wolfenstein we, mode yeah we went full Wolfenstein we went full Indiana Jones mm. like first First encounter with the Nazis, we, it was just like, duh, 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 and it was like jeeps rolling off and people punching people and it's always throwing the thing, grenades like When I play shit. a Wolfenstein game, I always start it like, oh, I got to be stealthy. And, and there's a point where it's, no, you, you have to just murder people. This game is not a stealth game, so just start killing fools. Yeah, and so I, I went through and I looked at because I because I was like, this is so unlike the other Cthulhu games I'm used to. Like, what is it that Modifius is kind of projecting? Because... I'm not going to lie. I didn't feel like I wanted to spend 50 bucks to find out. Mm-hmm. So I don't have the book. And all of my impressions of it are based on looking at the covers. And I feel like the covers are kind of, tr- they're trying to sell you the game. They're trying to sell you an experience, mm-hmm. right? So what is on the cover? And all the covers of these books are kind of like, um, these almost, it, it's sort of that new, new style of art. You know, it's very mm-hmm. graphic, kind of anime-influenced, big monsters, you know, jeeps driving real fast, machine guns and stuff. So clearly, it's just like a different type of game. I don't know if it's for me. Um, I, I, you know, whenever I encounter a horror game, my first thought is, is should I buy this? Um, and I, I'm not convinced. So, um, you know, I, I don't think... I, I hope Michael doesn't have a chance to listen to this before he runs for us again on Friday. <laughs> but um, I'm going to be playing again on Friday, and I'm really hoping that this time, with Michael having some time to, like, 
look at the Savage World rules, which, by the way, oh, yeah, I mean, we're kind of, like, low on time here. We kind of right. need to wrap this fucking thing up. Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, I could I could go off about Savage Worlds right now. I could go off. I'm not gonna. Anyway, so uh, I'm it's hoping... It's the one I, I wanted to try, Octon Cthulhu. It's one I've really? always wanted to try. It's just not one that I, I ever see anywhere. Like, it doesn't come up. And so it seemed interesting to me. But That's was, fucking terrible, man, because he's like running this game that you wanted to play. That's yeah, fucking I got to run man. my own thing. It's, it's fine. That's what Game Club is, though, right? It's like Game Club is kind of give and take. I got to play in a DCC game, which was good because I wanted to play in a non-funnel DCC games. Yeah. I, think, I think at this point we've like belabored my feelings on funnels. And right. Tsuyoko, <laughs> I'm sure, is clenching his fist right now and, and shaking it at me as he as he hears me say this. But uh, So I wanted, to, I wanted to play, and I like... The D- I liked the DCC as a, as a higher level character. I thought that it worked better for me. Um, and I was glad I got that experience. And so now I'm going to run 13th Age again yeah. and we'll get that experience again. And Well, I mean, I don't know. I I kind of... To me, the, to me, the book is not closed on Octon Cthulhu. I want to see more of it. I, wa- I want to get a better feel of it. I want to know... I want to know what the... What the classic Octung Cthulhu feel is. Anyway, apparently Octung means warning. Yeah. Yep. I didn't know that. You might have an opportunity to, so. Yeah, I hope so. So that'll be Friday. Anyway, so, uh, you know, shit, we've been fucking blathering here for goddamn a Forever. long time. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of crazy how quickly. Had a lot going on. The time just rolls away when we start talking about role-playing games. Anyway, um, so our sponsor is Game Depot in Tempe, Arizona. We run our Friday Night Role-Playing Club there every other week. Uh, coming up this week, the 31st of August, we'll be there, and then we'll be there every other week thereafter. Um, hope you'll come down and join us if you're in the Phoenix metro area. If you're even just visiting the Phoenix metro area and you want to come by and get a game with us, please do stop by. Uh, game Depot is our sponsor, so if you uh, want to live around here and you want to go come by and check something out, maybe uh, put in an order, please do let them know that you heard about them on the show that would be very helpful to us um in the meantime if you want to get at us uh full miller at full miller rpg on instagram uh we're on facebook full miller rpg you can reach us uh full miller rpg official at gmail.com that's our email that that goes right to me goes right to Brendan and carrion um and then uh do check out our facebook page not the facebook page do check out our official webpage fullmetalrpg.com um we also have a patreon that i'm currently doing some work on so i would say check out our patreon in september which you know if you listen to this right now september is just a few hours away so um go go ahead check out our patreon we got lots of exciting stuff coming up and we want you to be part of it adam thank you for joining me once again thanks for having me cultists thank you for joining us once again we always love you and appreciate having you uh, we'll be back again soon. We got a uh, bonus episode coming up with um, Clara from uh, Onyx Path and uh, lots, of, lots of Dead Zone news. So have a good night. All right.